Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. I'm ready to preach. We're in a series called Among the Wolves. Among the Wolves. And if you have your Bible, I'm going to give you three verses that I want you to look at. And they are in Luke, Matthew, and John. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. These are the signature verses for the series that help us understand where Among the Wolves comes from. And put your finger on Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. It's the keynote verse for the day. And then Matthew 6, uh, 53. We'll dig into that. It's going to help explain, um, excuse me, John 6, 53. It's going to help explain Matthew 5 and 6. So let's first start with Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third, um, third gospel of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. When you got it, say, got it. Good. It reads, after the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Verse 3. Here's where the series title comes from. Go! Look at your neighbor say, go! Look at your other neighbor, the one you don't like so much, the one that you really want to go. Say, go! I'm just kidding. I am sending you out like lamb among the wolves. As Jesus was going to the cross, he was gathering disciples and he sent them out into different towns and he literally he gave them the truth up front. He says, hey, this thing ain't going to be easy. I'm going to send you out like sheep among wolves. This series is a series about discipleship. So before you could be a sheep among the wolves, you have to actually understand what discipleship is. And you have to understand what Jesus requires of you. So we started digging into verses um, from the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And one of the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 6, says this. This is where we're going to lean into our discipleship principle for the day. This is like discipleship 101. All right? All in is about being a disciple, not of Terrence and Joanne, being a disciple of Jesus. Amen? Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That's a good place to say amen. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Amen? And now to give you a little context and understanding of that verse, John chapter 6, verse 53. This is crazy. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life left in you. Listen, if, if this is your first time, I know you already think we're crazy. Oh, that's the church. They eating flesh and drinking blood. Okay, listen, no. That's what the Bible says. And I'm going to teach you why that's important. Amen? Amen. If you want to take notes in this third discipleship principle from among the wolves, I've entitled it this. Hunger for truth. Hunger for truth. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. But this is the day that you have made. God, let us rejoice and be glad. God, I thank you 
that before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every person that was going to be here today and each and every person that was going to watch online, wherever they are in the world. God, I pray that I lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, I pray that hearts, minds, and ears are open and receptive to a word that will always be about Jesus. God, I pray for the one, the one that needs to hear this word the most. This word may be challenging, but it will be truthful. For you said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I pray that they find what they're looking for, that they are fed through Jesus himself. The author, the perfecter of our faith, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. I pray that somebody meets him today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody set. Everybody set. Take five seconds to give Jesus a shout of praise today. It's good. Y'all give it up for the band one time, man. I love y'all. You guys are awesome. I love worship at Cool Church, man. It's just getting better and better. Amen? Amen. Mm-mm-mm. So... We're going to read a lot of Bible today. Who's mad at that? Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are hungry? I like honest people. Like, I'm hungry right now. Pastor, we already done been here for an hour. I'm hungry. How many, like, when, you, when, you like, <laughs> when you're hungry for too long, you get hangry? Yeah. Yeah, you're like me. You won't like me when I'm hangry. An appetite which is what all of us have, especially when we're hungry. The denotation or the definition of the word is a desire for food or drink. It's one definition. Another definition of that is a desire to satisfy any bodily need or craving. A desire to satisfy any bodily need or craving. Here's a third definition. This is the one I like. A desire or liking for something, a fondness, a taste, an appetite for power, an appetite for pleasure. How many of you know your appetite can transcend food? We can have an appetite for a lot of different things. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been in a situation where you were so hungry you'd eat anything? You ever been in one of them situations? Like, don't lie. Don't try to be all cool. Like, I've been in that situation. I was so hungry, I was going to eat whatever was in front of me at the moment. I didn't care what it was. I was just going to eat it. I'll never forget. It was April 1st. It was April 1st. 2000 and whatever. It was April 1st. Some people laughing because they understand what that means. It was April 1st, 2000 and whatever. I was a younger man and I was really, really hungry. And when I am hungry for too long, like I've already explained, and as my wife and child know, I get hangry. Started to get frustrated, I was really hungry. And there was nothing to eat. And one of my good friends came along at the time we were working. I was like, man, I'm hungry, man, but I can't leave right now, man. I got all this stuff I gotta finish. He was like, hey man, no problem, bro. I got you. I just so happy to have some Oreo cookies right here. Now, anybody that knows me knows I'm a fan of sweet. I love sweet. I believe that when I, I get to heaven and, and the table 
is laid out. It will be nothing but cakes and ice cream sandwiches and key lime pies. And see, look at Ben. See, that's why Ben, my brother, he said, yes, Lord. All the greedy people start saying amen. Amen. Yes, Mario cookies. I was like, ooh, we got some Oreos? Like, I was so hungry. I didn't even care, man. I was like, yeah, I want, yeah, give me some of that. He's like, you should. He's like, yeah, man, they good. So he ate one. I was like, oh, man, bet. Cool. He's like, yeah, man, you got to have a whole thing. I was like, for real? It's like, that's, that's why we boys. We here. We here. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So I get to the cookies. I take out a cookie. I eat the cookie. I'm like, man, this junk good. But like, I ain't never had this flavor Oreo before. Had like a, like a minty flavor. I was like, yo, this like a holiday special? Some kind of like new peppermint Oreo? He's like, yeah, it's good, huh? Ain't like looking at me. Ain't like, mm, man, you, you love these Oreos, huh? Ain't he like, you know how like when somebody like want to laugh, but they trying to hold it back and they, they be like. <laughs> I'm like, yo, what, 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 what's your problem? Just eating Oreos. So I pop in another one. I'm like, man, these Oreos, mm, mm. Man, I wish I had some milk. I'm so hungry. I'm not, like, I'm so hungry. I'm not even caring. I'm popping Oreos in my mouth like Tic Tacs. By the time I get to the fourth Oreo, that minty flavor started to get so overwhelming. I'm like, yo, man, I think, like, I know you're my boy, but I think something wrong with these Oreos, man. He was like, oh, I bet there is something wrong with those Oreos. I'm like, man, what you talking about? He's like, man, I don't know how you ain't even tasted on the first one. He said, you've been eating Oreos, not with a cream-filled center, but with a toothpaste-filled center. It was April 1st. See the kind of friends I got? That's why I only stick with Jesus. So at this point, I'm like, I'm mad. I'm, I was hangry. I just realized I probably swallowed more toothpaste than a human should consume. And the first thing that I did, I went on WebMD. Which how many of you know, when you're going through something, the worst thing you could do is go on WebMD. WebMD going to tell you all the ways you're about to die. So I went on WebMD. And, and it literally, I'm going to read it because this, this is what it said. It, it said, warning, if, <laughs> if more than used for brushing is accidentally swallowed, get medical help or contact a poison control center right away. My homeboy is laughing and I'm literally dying in front of him. Needless to say, I can't tell you the last time I had an Oreo. Now I just don't even trust them. I don't care if I buy the package at the store myself and it's sealed. I'm like, nope, toothpaste in there. Something that was sweet, that I once loved, end up leaving a bad taste in my mouth. Oh, man. We could start out with something in life that appears so sweet, but it ends up leaving a bad taste in our mouth. This has happened so many times, and I see this happen often with believers. It's that unpleasant encounter that you've had with someone that you thought was cool, 
but now they left a bad taste in your mouth. It's that job that you wanted so, so bad. You got there. You worked there. You're probably still working there right now. And you found out that thing that you wanted so bad is not what you've expected. And it has left a bad taste in your mouth. It's that relationship. God, he's so fine. Lord, you seen the size of her Bible? You wanted to be with them so bad and found out the only good looking thing about them was on the outside because the inside was trash. And you realize now that you deep into this relationship, it won't work. And they have left a bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> it's that church you couldn't wait to go to. Because you know how people are. They hop to this church for this worship experience. They hop to this church because they like the way this pastor preached. They hop to this church because they like serving them. They hop to this church because the people look good there. They go from place to place to place, and then they finally find one that they think is like, yo, this, this the one. But then they have a bad experience in that house. And instead of running to the place they thought that was going to bless them, they run away from that church because it's left a bad taste in their mouth. Can I be honest with y'all? I, 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 be, I, be, I be petty sometimes. The church, the church running and hopping and bad-mouthing church thing bothers me. I'm never going to bad-mouth a house of worship. I'm not. Especially now that God has called me to be the under-shepherd of one with my dear wife. I'm not going to do it. Because a lot of times, we want to throw churches away because we've had a bad experience with a human and we decide to judge the entire house based upon that experience. That bothers me. As a, see, see, some of these things we can mix up like bad church experience, bad relationships. Some of y'all had a bad relationship in a church. So the church is not bad. But now... You go around back, I don't like the people at that church. No, you don't like the person at that church. Because here's the thing. Usually when people tell me like they had a bad relationship experience in church, can I, can I be real with y'all? Because I've, I've heard a lot over the last 16 years of doing this. Can I, can I be like real, really real? Y'all going to come back next week? Okay. I had a bad relationship. This, per this person toxic, so therefore I don't, I don't go to that church no more because the pastors ain't deal with it the right way and this, this, and that. No, 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 no. You know what I always ask the people that say stuff like that? When they, when they finally are, like, bold enough to have a conversation? Because I have a conversation with anybody. I don't, hey, let's have, a, let's have a robust conversation. I ain't scared of conversations with nobody. Only thing I'm scared of is God. I ain't scared of conversations with people. I might not have all the answers for you, but we can have a conversation. You know what I ask those same people? Uh, I, uh, uh, this person, he, he, 
he's bad, or this girl, she's, she's bad. I said, let me ask you, you was in a relationship with him, right? Yeah. Did you sleep with him? Got real quiet. Some butts got real tight. And you know what? Let me tell you what happens nine times out of ten. Here's what happens. They do this. Yeah, pastor. So you mad at this human that you chose to have sexual relations with that. They didn't care about what his true mission was. What he was actually doing. The miracle of the fish and the loaves is nothing in comparison to the miracle of the cross that he actually came for. But they were not seeking him out to be redemption for creation. They were seeking him out so that they can have more to sustain their physical appetites. How crazy is that You you are seeking the God of the universe that literally holds eternity in his hand, and you seeking him out for a sandwich? This, This is the God that we serve. People always want to praise Jesus for what he's done, not for what he's actually doing. They followed him because he fed 5,000, not because he was preparing himself for the cross. Because they they couldn't see that. They couldn't see it. So they couldn't have the faith for it. Anyone can look and see what Jesus has done, but it takes a person of faith to see what he's doing. If you're going to clap, clap. Don't give me a petty clap. Like... You can't just be eating the same thing that's all the time, man. Some folks, no matter where you take them, all they want is the things that they used to have in the past. This is the same case with our faith. Some of y'all get mad when we sing new songs because you want to sing Oceans every Sunday. I ain't mad at oceans. I love this. I want the spirit to lead me when my trust is without borders. But the Bible says, sing it to the Lord, a new song. So we want the same stuff all the time. You want the same message every week. Pastor told me I was going to prosper this week. Pastor told me I was going to prosper this week. No, Pastor need to tell you the truth. I can tell you the same thing every week. I can give you God's word. And it's new every time you open it up and read it. On the same path, Pastor T ain't preaching, I ain't coming. Stop that. You bet you, you stop it. If you believe that me and my wife are not running this place and that God is, it doesn't matter who's up here. The Bible I read tells me that when the word goes forth, it never returns void. You stop it. I'm going to just watch online that week. You cut it out. I'm going to be nicer next week, I promise. You want the same people. Is new people coming to church? Mm-mm, no, I'm going to just stick with my crowd right here. You better go meet one new person in the courtyard after service every week. This church will not be us four no more. It's going to grow. It's going to start to get uncomfortable because it's going to be a bunch of people you don't know. Guess what? It's going to be a bunch of people that got some really messed up lives coming in here. You better get ready to love on them. 
Because before you were you, you were them. Don't, don't be acting like you too good now because you know something that they are not privy to yet, but they should be when they get to this house. Don't be acting. Some of y'all be acting too saved. I love, I love Jesus. I'm not going to compromise my belief, but I know how to flow in spaces so that my life is attractive to people that do not know him. I mean, also, doggone blessed and highly favored, you a nightmare to everybody around you. You blessed, but you become a nightmare for someone else. Because you don't know how to love people that ain't like you. Man, I promise y'all I'm going to be nicer. Some of y'all commit to the same sin. Ooh. Ooh. Because you're not hungry for the full truth. Let me, let, me, let me just say this. I, I, I just feel this on my spirit to say, and I feel like this is going to help somebody. Don't run from a place that will challenge you with the truth to be at a place that will comfort you with a lie. Wow. That was not in the notes, so I'll say it again. Don't run from a place that will challenge you with the truth to run to a place that will comfort you with a lie. You have to understand, we cannot get used to eating on the same things. It requires faith for things we've never seen before, places we've never been before, miracles we've never experienced before. Jesus is literally looking at these people saying, man, I am here and I am a brand new flavor. You have never, ever tried. I'm a brand new dish. I'm giving y'all some new variety. If you, if you just eat a little bit of meat, I promise you, you won't ever go hungry again. And if you like the Food Network like me, Jesus was like Emerald Lagasse saying, bam, kick it up a notch. Put a little hot sauce on that thing. Y'all want that same stinking dry manner when I want to give you something brand new. It's like when I was a little boy and I used to go to Costco's with my mama. And the only reason I wanted to go is not for the shopping, but for all the free samples. Because if I just got a taste of that thing, I was like, mama, I like that thing. I didn't even realize I was preaching back then that we must taste and see that the Lord is good. But some of y'all don't want to taste and see that the Lord is good. You want to keep tasting your trials. You want to keep tasting your problems. You want to keep tasting the gossip. You want to keep tasting your drama. When Jesus is over here saying you had that already. You still want that? Why don't you try some of me because I'm brand new and I can make you new too. If you believe it say amen. Y'all mind if I drink some water? Are you hungry for the same old thing or are you hungry for Jesus? What are you hungry for? Secondly, where does your food come from? <laughs> Some of y'all eating from everybody. John 6, 41 through 42. <laughs> so Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, y'all. Listen to their response. <laughs> At this the Jews there began to grumble about him. Who is this Negro think he is? <laughs> Who he think he is? <laughs> I love that somebody was tickled by that. 
At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, oh, man, this makes me so mad. Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose mother and father we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? You see, because they thought they knew where Jesus came from, they thought he had no power. Because <laughs> they thought they knew where he came from. They thought he had no power. When you put Jesus in a box, you literally put a ceiling on his power in your life. When you, when you think you know about Jesus, you limit what he can do for you. When you get used to the food, you can forget who's feeding you. Like, how many stories of people have you heard, like, they started out on the right path with God, right? Then they make it big. And you know what they do? They forget their source. They forgot who was feeding. And they forget who their source was. Deuteronomy 8, 10 through 14, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, fifth book of the Bible, chapter 8, verse 10 says, this is the word of the Lord to the Israelites. It says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given. Be careful that you, listen, do not forget the Lord your God. Failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of a land of slavery. God's been, he's been preaching the same message to people forever because he knows how we are. He understands that if, we, if he is not the one that's sustaining us, we will begin to believe that we are sustaining ourselves and pride will develop. It's like, hey, you're going to win. I love it because he's not saying that they're not going to win. He's like, man, you're going to build houses. You, you're going to have land. You're going to have animals. You're going to have gold and silver. Don't forget me. Please don't forget me. When you forget who's feeding you, You'll begin to take food from anybody. It's like potato salad. I don't hear everybody potato salad. I got to know where that thing coming from. And don't be trying to throw like raisins in that joint either. I don't hear everybody potato salad. Uh -uh. I don't mess with it. I don't know you. Mm -mm. Nope. If you ain't got like that little piece of meat hanging from the bottom of your arm, I don't even trust your Okay, let me. That's somebody that's been cooking potato salad for years. I'm a kid. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man like some of us are so hungry for the wrong things we're willing to sit back in a bad situation just to get fed like we eat anything some people have an appetite for anything like let me put this into context so I just read that verse out of Deuteronomy that was talking about the ancestors of the people that Jesus is talking to in this current moment People like Jesus is talking to it like the great, 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 whatever great grandchildren of these people, right? And it's, it's, it's interesting because these great, 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 whatever grandchildren are the generation that come from the same people 
that would rather get their food from Pharaoh than the God of the heavens. You don't believe me? Look at Exodus 16, 2 through 3. It says, in the desert, this is crazy. The whole community grumbled. There that word goes again. Just passed it down from generation to generation. How many know your pettiness can pass from generation to generation? How many of your stank attitude could pass from generation to generation? Mm-hmm. I love this. It says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, this is the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. What? It gets even dumber. There, in Egypt, we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. They would rather sit around pots of meat in slavery than to be free in the desert. And it reminds me, some of us would rather be full in slavery than hungry in freedom. I'll take it a step further. Here's the problem with slave food. Slave food is just enough to keep you going, not enough to provide the strength that is required for freedom. Because that's all master wants to do. I'm going to give him enough to keep pushing the plow. But if I give him too much, he's going to have the strength to fight back. Some of y'all are so obsessed with slave food. You want to keep going back to the master's table. And and because you are so deceived, you think the scraps that he is giving you in slavery is better than the manna God is giving you in freedom. Oh, my goodness gracious. It's like, what are you being fed by? What, 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 What are you eating? Like, some of us are willing to suffer forever for momentary satisfaction. Oh, man, I'm a, I'd, rather, I'd rather suffer in slavery with these pots of meat than live forever free. You're going to allow something that satisfies you in a moment to mess up your entire eternity? Like, what are you being fed by? Being fed by drugs? I feel good for a moment. It's going to crush your eternity. You being fed by money? It's cool. I like having it. But it's not my super. Being fed by sex? Like, like, you are, you are, you are literally destroying God's plan for your life because you are not practicing the fruit of the spirit called self-control. You're creating soul ties with individuals that God doesn't want you to even be connected to. Pastor, how you and your wife got a good marriage? Because we have sex with each other a lot. That's it. No one else. That's it. And then some of you mad because you can't get away. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's relationship goal. But you done slept with three people in the church already. How many people are you going to tie yourself to? Little, I, don't I feel like I, got, I turned 40 and I got meaner. Some of you have only fed by your influence. I'm an influencer. Shut up. Who are you influencing? Influencing people to do what? 
to like your pictures, to like your TikTok videos. Who you, who you influence? What you influencing to do? If you ain't influencing people to know Jesus, then your influence means nothing. It means nothing. I'm an influence. Some of y'all like obsessed with the drug of influence. That dopamine hit comes with every like you get. They like me. No, they don't. They don't even know you. Let me get back to the notes before people don't come back to this church no more. It matters where your food comes from. Matters what you're eating. Matters who you're being fed by. Look, look, look at this, because now we come back to the present story that we're talking about, John 6, 48 through 50. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He tells them again, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven. Anyone, which anyone, I love that. There is no prerequisite for who you have to be to eat. It says anyone can eat the bread. Let's stop pushing people out of church because we think that the meal is only prepared for us. No, it's for anyone. Anyone can eat the bread. Anyone may eat and not die. God, I love this because God will send you things that will allow you to have pleasure and satisfaction here on earth. But let me ask you this. Can you stomach the one thing that he sent to feast on for eternity? Which leads me to my last question. Can you stomach Jesus? Can you stomach Jesus as the band comes back up? Can you stomach that? I, I, that's like a really heartfelt question. And I want you to really think about what I'm asking. You see, when Jesus comes out and says the bread, bread of life to the Jews at the time, they think he's insane. They think this is a madman. This is a homeless dude walking around the street with a bunch of dudes preaching the scrolls, and he's talking about, I am the bread of life. When we know our ancestors, they ate manna from heaven because Moses called it down. We want that, and this weirdo is coming up and telling us he's the bread of life? If you saw somebody out there in the street right now talking about, I am the bread of life, you would press your gas as fast as possible and drive away. They thought he was a nut. They thought... He was crazy. They thought he was a misfit. And then he says, they, they say this to him in verse 52 of chapter 6. They say, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? You would only respond that way to a crazy person. Like, homie, like, we can't eat you, man. Like, what's wrong with you? How does dude talking about we can eat his flesh? John 6, 53 to 57. Look at Jesus' response to them thinking he was crazy. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you can eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Mm -mm -mm. That sounds crazy. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh, like I... Like, <laughs> I, I, I like, like, he don't even care how crazy they think he is. He's like, I'm going to just keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. He has conviction. <laughs> like, if you're going to be crazy, have some conviction in your crazy. <laughs> it says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living father sent me, I live because of the father. 
so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. It's a great place to say amen. Eating Jesus. Let's be honest. Every rational human being in this room, that is weird. That's a part where people get derailed in the Bible. Because they read, it's like, ooh, he fed 5,000. Ooh, he walked on water. Wait, he want me to eat his flesh and drink his blood? Like Jesus was on a roll before he said that. Sounds strange. But you know what I found? As crazy as that sounds, eating his flesh and drinking his blood, you know what I found? When people are really hungry, there's nothing they won't eat. <laughs> when you're really hungry. <laughs> but I realize some people, they're not hungry for Jesus because they can't stomach a savior. I'll explain. They can stomach Jesus as a miracle worker. Oh, man, he fed 5,000. He walked on water. Whew. They can stomach Jesus as a good teacher. Right? Oh, man, before you pull the speck out of someone else's eye, take the log out of your own. They love that. They ate that stuff up. They came out of thousands to hear him teach. They can stomach Jesus as a person of compassion. Jesus wept over the city before he went to the cross. The Bible says so many times that Jesus had compassion on them. They can stomach Jesus as a prophet. Oh, you heard what he said? Oh, man, he's going to tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days? Whew, this dude is powerful. They respect him as a servant, as he was washing people's feet. They respected him as someone that stood up for justice. When they wanted to stone the woman caught in adultery, he draws a line in the sand. He says, he who was without sin cast the first stone. They all had to walk away because they had to respect him. They can stomach him as a teacher, as a miracle worker, as a compassionate person, and as a servant, but they cannot stomach him as all man, all God, redemption before creation, and the savior of all mankind. Even other religions respect Jesus, even when they don't respect his followers. They'll say he was a prophet, but they don't believe he was the son of God. But this is essential. If we take away the fact that Jesus is God, then we are missing the fact that he can actually sustain us for all of eternity. You see, his teachings can sustain us in this life. But his godlike nature will allow us to thrive in the life after. People can stomach Jesus as a teacher, as a prophet, as a healer, as a servant, but they cannot stomach him as a savior of all mankind. Why? Because they, they cannot fully ingest who Jesus is. When I was a kid, every Christmas was always special because my mother would do something that she only did one time a year. And the whole family knows about it and they will wait for it. Every Christmas, my mother would bake bread. And I love my mom's baked bread. Like, 
I would rather eat that bread than any other bread I've ever had in existence. I love it. And it used to be a movie. When I was a little kid, she used to even like give me a little piece of dough and I'd make like a little dude out of it. She like, let me help. I thought that was real fun. But I used to sit there and watch the process. I couldn't make it now today to save my life, but I used to always watch her do it. And it was interesting because she put in all the ingredients and she would start to like knead the dough. Like my mom has like strong hands. They little hands, but they strong, man. She would she was digging in that, just kneading that dough. Sometimes she would ask me to come help her. We'd have to, we'd have to stir up all the ingredients together so it will form that dough. And she'd always rip off a little piece and give it to me. And she, I, I just see her like just spending time on this bread, man. And she didn't do it but that one time a year because I know it, it took a lot for her hands to make it happen. She would knead it. She would stretch it. She would pull it. She would tear it. She would put it back together. She put the yeast in it. She'd do all that stuff. And then she would allow, She would grease the pans, you know? We got these old bread pans. Dad, mom still got them same old bread pans, right? Same old bread pans. They de Like, there's decades of bread that have been made in those pans. The pans still smell like fresh bread. And she would say, Terry, come butter the pans. And I would butter the pans up because she ain't want nothing to stick to the pan. And then she would, she would tear off a piece of the dough that she so meticulously needed. And she would put it in a form, it looked like a little log, and she would put it in the pans. I was like, Mom, the bread ain't even filling out the whole pan. She said, don't worry, it'll, it'll rise, it'll fill out. She would set the oven to a specific temperature. And when the oven would get to the right temperature, she would just know it. And she would just put the pans of bread in the oven. And man, I could tell you, I know I'm greedy, but my brother probably greedier than me. But we were so greedy. You ever seen them cartoons like when the, when, the, when the scent going through the air and then the character getting in his nose and they start floating? Like we, that scent was starting to fill the whole house. Myself, my brother, my sister, my dad, we would all get excited because we was like, yo, when this bread come out, I'm just thinking of all the countless sandwiches I'm going to make with this bread. It was so good. Like you didn't even need to put meat. You could just eat the bread. But we like cut, you know, cut some cheddar cheese, put it on the bread. Oh, we get that honey baked ham, put it on the bread. And, and mom, man, I, I, I love it because she would pull the bread out the pan and we would think the bread was ready. She's like, don't touch the bread. She takes some butter and put it on the top of the bread. And you could just watch the butter melt as it seeped into the crevices of the bread. Y'all hungry? Yeah. Watching that butter melt on that bread, I thought I was in heaven. Don't eat the bread out the cool. And the bread would cool and the butter would melt. And she'd take out a knife. She starts slicing. She sliced the bread. And we're like, Mom, can we eat this bread yet? And finally, after hours of waiting on this doggone bread, she would step back. And myself, my brother, my father, and my sister, we would tear that bread apart. Took her hours to make. We destroy it in seconds. Took her hours to make, but we would destroy Like when she made it, 
to see the smile and the joy and the pride that she took into making that bread. But she really found joy in the fact that by the time she was all said and done and we had our fill, there was no bread left. We all got a piece of something that was meticulously prepared for her family. She took a long time to make a bread, but we didn't take a long time to eat it. She made the best of what she could and you could taste the love in it. It reminds me so, so much of my heavenly father because he prepared his son the bread of life with so much love for each and every one of us. You see, Jesus took a long time to get here but it didn't take a long time for him to be broken for us all. Centuries of men doing the wrong thing God was needing. Centuries of men going awry. God said, don't worry, I'm cooking. Centuries of men acting crazy. God said, hold on, it's almost ready. Centuries of men turning their backs on him. He's like, oh, I'm sending something and all y'all gonna turn back towards me. Finally, Jesus comes and he grows in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man and at the age of 33, after the butter had melted just right, he was torn apart by all of humanity. He was ripped into pieces for he took the 39 lashes on his back, a crown of thorns on his head, and he was torn apart by the very family God that he was, he was sent to reconcile. Like, I really want you to put this into context. Do you really understand how bread is made? The tearing, the destruction, the the, the force that must be put into and then when you think about it the yeast that goes in Jesus was perfect but not when he was on that cross let me tell you why he that knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we will become the righteousness of God sin of the world had to come on him do you know what yeast signifies biblically sin sin yeast had to be mixed with the dough This is why the Bible always talks about unleavened bread, bread without yeast, because yeast was symbolic of sin. Just a little yeast will contaminate the entire batch. Jesus didn't take a little yeast on as the bread of life. He took it all on. But let me tell you something. He had to take on that yeast because eventually he would rise again. If you want a part of my kingdom, you must eat of my flesh. He is the bread of life that we tore it apart, that was meticulously made by love for all of us. But it's not just eat of my flesh, it's drink of my blood. When perfection is mixed with sin and it creates the bread that we tear apart, 
you need something to wash it down you see when Jesus was torn apart the blood poured out and I love that the blood is the perfect follow-up to the body because what could wash away our sins nothing but the blood of Jesus when you know the cost to prepare the meal you appreciate the meal more I don't need to spend a thousand dollars on a plate to know how good something is because my mother with the little bit that she had gave everything to make something for all of us and I appreciate what she makes for me more than what somebody else made for me because she put love into everything that she ever made for me. It's quite easy to stomach the truth of Jesus when you know he was prepared with time, with sacrifice, and with love. You see, too many of us have settled or being full off of this world, but won't take time to ingest something that was prepared with love. Let me ask you something. Do you have an appetite for the truth today? You have an appetite for the truth of Jesus? Because here's the reality. God cannot fill you if you are full of yourself. He can't do it. If you're too full of yourself. You see, here's the paradox of the gospel, my friends. And this is the beautiful thing about the good news. That when you are full of this world, you'll always feel empty. But when you are hungry for Jesus, you always have room for God to fill you with the truth that will set you free. Are you hungry for the truth about Jesus today? Because he wants to give you truth that will set you free. With every head bowed and every eye closed, can you stomach a savior? Is Jesus just a prophet for you? Is Jesus just a story for you? Is Jesus just a good person for you? Or can you stomach the truth about him? That he's all man, that he's all God, that he is the bread of life. And unless you eat of his flesh and you drink of his blood, you can have no parts in the kingdom. That is the truth. And the truth will set you free. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I know there's some people out there, you are tired of feeling empty. Stop chewing on this world. Take a bite out of Jesus because he was willing to not just be prepared for you. He was willing to be broken for you. And he poured out his blood for you because he wants to set you free. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you want Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You don't want a piece of the truth. You want the whole thing. You are willing to say, man, I haven't really given Jesus my all. Because I've been, I've been too full of the world to be full of him. I've been eating on manna when I should have been eating on Jesus. If you want 
to be full of Jesus, to feel full on the inside. If you want Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe you've never said that, or maybe you have, but you've been too busy chewing on the world to really live in the fullness of him, and you want to come back home. On the count of three, you say, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior now and forever. I'm tired of being full of this world. I only want to be full of him. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand here and online and do not be ashamed. Here we go. One, two, three. Hold it up. Hold it up. High enough and long enough for me to see it. Hold it up. I see you and 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 you. Hallelujah. If your hands up, stand up. Don't be scared. You done came this far. Hey, eating flesh and drinking blood may sound crazy, but it's worth it. Come on. Don't be scared. Yeah, there you go. Do me a favor. If you stood up for that call, come down here right now. You don't have to physically eat flesh and physically drink blood. All you got to do is pray. Come, come, let me pray with you. Don't be scared. Come on, come on, come on. standing in this place today I'm so proud of each and every one of y'all listen it's bold to want to follow Jesus after he says things like eat my flesh and drink my blood but you know what people in this world believe crazier stuff than that and they act it out each and every day but here's the confidence that you have what you believe is the truth Jesus is the way the truth and the life and no man gets to the Father except through him. If you're out there in the audience and you say, man, they're bold, man, I don't know if I can do that. Listen, we family. You don't have to do anything alone. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, hey, if you're scared, I'll go with you. If they say, yeah, grab them by the hand and walk them down here. I just, I'm gonna wait for a moment. Just make sure, look at, look at them. Look at your neighbor you like and the one you don't like. Make sure. I just wanna make sure everybody's going to heaven. That's all I care about. Here we go, five, four, three, Two. Oh, they running down. I like that. Come on. Uh-huh. One. <laughs> Appreciate you, Tiff. I see. I love it. I love it. Praise God. Everybody out there, reach your hands towards them. If y'all coming, it ain't too late. It's okay. All right. I just want to make sure. Good. If you're down here, Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, he is raised from the dead, you're saved. Forget what everybody else said about you. God says, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're my family. If you confess, and you believe. Maybe you wanna raise your hand, say, why well, I'm doing that, sign the surrender, that's all. And then everybody, here and online, repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus I've, sinned. I've sinned. I'm not proud of it, proud of but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness and take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me into your wonderful family. 
today I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. I'm proud of y'all. Real quick. Still got decent hands. Carol City, how about your boy? I hate when people make a decision about Jesus and we don't equip you and we don't answer questions that you may have. You may have a bunch of questions right now. We got team, they'll answer your questions, they'll pray with you if you want it, but I got a gift for you. There's a Bible in here, there's like a note from me and my wife, there's a bunch of cool stuff in here I wanna make sure you get. So you see that, fam that sign? It says, welcome to the family. That's what you are, your family, all right? You got a brother right here in me, you got a sister in my wife, and you got a bunch of fam family, wave at them right now so they see, look, see, look, you got family, look behind you, all your family. Here's what's gonna happen. The Bible says that when one comes back to the Father, there's a celebration in heaven. I can't open up the ceiling and show you. I can help you hear what that sounds like. Angels are breakdancing, the choir singing, all the Oreo cookies are laid out on the table. It's crazy. I can't show that to you, but they're gonna help you hear what that sounds like. They about to cheer for you louder than anybody's ever cheered for you in your entire life. And when they do, I want you to walk that way. They're just gonna take you out to the courtyard, give you one of these, and if you got questions, they answer your questions. Is that cool? Is that cool? So on the count of three, don't hold back, cool fam. Let them know they right, made the right decision. Here we go. One, two, three. Let's go. Let them know. Let them know. Thank you so much for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.